You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. the Bama Online Podcast, this one on a Monday afternoon, August the 30th, 2021. It is game week for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama set to travel to Atlanta on Saturday to take on the Miami Hurricanes in a matchup of top 15 teams. More pressing, though, Charlie Potter, as we learned on this Monday, a depth chart for the Alabama football team where that matchup with um is concerned let's get into it man let's talk about guys that maybe were a little bit of a surprise based on where they were on the depth chart and maybe some guys who were surprised who were surprised based on where they weren't on this depth chart let's start with defense we'll run it down just as it shows you right there on bamaonline.com right now the update that charlie had for you with the update we'll start with the defense defensive line charlie and you know when you look at the core guys and sort of the expectation for defensive end and nose tackle i don't think there were many surprises there no there weren't um you had phil mathis kind of listed as a co-starter at both spots and he's going to be a big piece of this defensive line he was last year but he's really stepped up into a leadership role and I think an argument can be made that he was Alabama's most consistent defensive lineman last year. So no surprise to see him kind of at two spots. But then, you know, I, I figured the the starters we would see were going to be Mathis, DJ Dale, and Aboigby. And that's essentially what it is, even though uh, Byron Young's list is a co-starter at that other defensive end spot. But, yeah, I, I really wasn't going into this expecting to see very many true freshmen along the defensive line. I just – haven't heard much about them and you know we've heard Nick Saban and and even some of the players just talk about the depth there and a lot of it returning depth and and that's what this shows I mean Tim Smith is someone I think can have a big season for Alabama you know he's listed as a co-backup with Stephon Wynn uh Jamil Burroughs is someone he's he's played nose guard but they list him as a backup defensive uh, end behind a boy being Mathis and then you know I think a, a player a lot of people are just wanting to see actually get on the field and stay healthy and LeBron Ray um, you know, he's listed as a co-backup with Jamarian Latham, another second year player who I think's had really good, uh, off season. Uh, I think in the preseason, he's made some plays and uh, he could be someone that's a part of that, you know, seven, eight, nine man rotation, whatever they choose to employ. So no real surprises there. Again, I, I thought we might maybe see one, but the fact that you know, we don't see one of those true freshmen there when there are 12 true freshmen listed on the entire depth chart. I think it says a lot about just the players that Alabama returns to that position and the overall depth that they have there. Yeah, the reward of some of those tough lessons that then young defensive linemen in 2019, like a Boyd B. DJ Dale, Byron Young, uh, you're seeing that now, two years later. Justin Aboigby, uh, very stout on early downs, still evolving as a pass rusher. Certainly DJ Dale expected to be a tough guy to move out of the interior of that defense. Byron Young, a dependable guy, and he's shown some flash of playmaking ability in his own right. 
I like your comments about Latham because he was a guy, even in the 8A game, you couldn't help but notice just a looks like a little bit of a tweener, you know, in some ways physically, but was always around the football in the 8A game, uh, had a really nice scrimmage. And so maybe a little Wallace Gilberry going way in the way back machine, perhaps in time with Jamarian Latham and Burroughs is an interesting guy because you know, we didn't really see him initially a season ago, but then it seemed like suddenly against Georgia, they had an injury or two. Uh, he was thrust into some big spots in that game and performed pretty well. So if you think about a fourth in right now, understanding a boy be Mathis and Byron Young would be your top three, maybe Jamil Burroughs is the next guy to see the field against Miami on Saturday. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think if LeBron Ray is healthy, that's sure. him, obviously. Oh, sure. That, that groin injury has been lingering. I just think that's that's worth mentioning. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I really think, though, um, a couple of those guys, whether it's Burroughs or Latham, I think it's going to be a, a real battle there. And I, that's what I'll be interested to see because I expect to see plenty of 48 and 92 and 47. But that next guy, you're right, I mean, at the defensive end position will be intriguing to see how it plays out because, you know, you expect to see Dale out there first at nose guard. And then I think we'll see plenty of Tim Smith, Stefan wins an older guy that's been in the program. And we've seen him, uh, you know, play a rotational role in the past and, and, you know, play some, some reps off the bench. But yeah, I mean, at defensive end outside of the guys that we've grown to expect to see over the last couple of seasons, that, that next guy up, I think that's, it's not something we've, we've talked about this off season, but, um, you know, how that plays out in Atlanta, I think that'll be you know pretty curious to see how it does. Yeah, it could be situational. You know, if it's an early down type situation, it could be Burroughs. If it's a pass rush situation, maybe you see a Latham in that mix. Same for Tim Smith uh, working behind uh, DJ Dale there at the nose tackle position. So they have a depth right now that allows them to sort of pick and choose situations and that's probably how that's going to play out as we move into the 2021 season outside linebacker absolutely no surprise there as far as the starters Christopher Allen at the Sam Will Anderson at the Jack from a depth perspective pretty much what you expected with Drew Sanders there behind Christopher Allen similarly I would say at Jack although Dallas Turner shows up bracketed with Chris Braswell uh, and no sign of King Wakuda. Thought maybe the veteran might show up on the two deep. Doesn't appear to be the case. Yeah, that was one of my bigger takeaways. Is, you know, I, I know King Makuta is a guy that entered the transfer portal, but I don't think he ever really truly left, so to speak. Um, you know, he was out there first day of practice. You know, he was running about where you expect him to in the the order that we were out there. Uh, but yeah, the, the fact that he's not on there says a lot. And, um, I, I think it also says a lot that Dallas Turner is. It sounds like he had a, a pretty good second scrimmage. I think he had an interception and you can see him getting some reps with the twos. And, um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, you knew what was going to happen and, and show up from a, a starter standpoint. I mean, that was what it, it was last year. I mean, it's the same exact, uh, look, but then, yeah, Drew Sanders is what I've believed to be the, the third outside linebacker. You know, he was really the first guy off the bench last year, uh, at that position. And then Chris Braswell, uh, it sounds like he's really taken that next step between years one and two. Uh, he had a really good spring and he's come along and, and that's big. You know, you have this, um, this linebacker class that Alabama brought in last year that's just loaded. 
And uh, so far, he really only had Will Anderson as a key contributor. Now, Drew Sanders, again, he, he played some, but not a lot. And to see both of these guys continue to progress, I think is healthy for the spot overall. Yeah, the luxury of being able to pick and choose your spots. Drew Sanders right now is more the prototype strong side linebacker in that Against the run, you feel pretty good about him, I think, when it comes to edge setting. And then if you get into some pass rush situations and you're going to call on some depth, it might very well be that Chris Braswell is that next guy up at outside linebacker. Although we saw just enough. It wasn't a lot during the early portions of fall camp of Dallas Turner just physically to totally understand why that guy was a five-star prospect for the 2021 cycle it's just a matter of time it seems like for Dallas Turner uh, especially we're getting after the quarterback is concerned inside linebacker similar in some ways not much in the way of huge surprises there with Henry Toa Toa at the mic the narrative the talk from both Pete Golding and Nick Saban uh, throughout the preseason Charlie was certainly pointing towards that and there's Christian Harris listed as the starter at weak side linebacker and again another area this front seven that just is home to uh elite level type depth it is yeah i mean we've we've really talked all off season long but it bears repeating that alabama's linebacker depth is just it's absurd and then you you look at the the starters i don't have to do much research and like look it up to say that alabama has the best starting four linebackers in the country because it does uh, but saying that, I mean, the, the guys that are listed below Toa Toa and, and Harris, I mean, they're, they're pretty damn good too. I mean, Jalen Moody's the primary backup at both spots and good for him because he is someone that, you know, had they not gone out and, and added Toa Toa, I mean, Jalen Moody's a guy that's probably, um, you know, on the starting line right now. And so, you know, he's the primary backup for both. And then you had Shane Lee as a, a co-backup with uh moody at the mic position he's someone that's you know started 13 games there before doing it as a true freshman back in in 2019 and then another true freshman making an appearance with the deontay lawson as the co-backup at will and and that's you know kind of how it's played out is he's a guy that's really come on he played he had a really good spring played well in the 8a game and that's carried over into the preseason and again you know it's, it's hypothetical of course but if, if they don't add a, a henry toa toa you know, Deontay Lawson is probably pushing for, for some playing time. And so uh, I think when it comes to players that we don't see, um, you know, last year, you know, just going back and looking at the, the depth chart, Demoy Kennedy was listed there and we don't see him uh, there. So that's a little bit of a surprise, maybe not so much as, you know, maybe a King Makuta at outside linebacker. But again, though, it's the depth that that linebacker is, is just it's crazy. And uh, I think the guys that we see listed are the ones we probably heard about the most this preseason. Yeah, these last three recruiting classes show up so prominently on the depth chart at inside linebacker. And then you go out and you cherry pick Henry Toa Toa from the University of Tennessee and bring him into the mix as a NFL caliber inside backer with two years of starting experience under his belt. And it goes to just as we talked about, just another level. And as we get into linebacker more and even into the secondary and even some areas on the offensive side of the ball, from a depth perspective, you're going to want to consider some of these names like Deontay Lawson, like Jalen Moody, uh, others that we'll talk about where special teams are concerned, both on coverage and return units, going to be critical core type players, one would think, 
in the kicking game. Let's move to the secondary, Charlie. Cornerback and star Josh Job, certainly a starter at the one corner. Jalen Armour Davis, the veteran with the nod right now at the other corner spot. And again, some nice uh, some nice bracketing where depth is concerned there at corner. And even when you talk about the starter at the star position, Malachi Moore and Brian Branch there together. Yeah. I mean, uh, Brian Branch is, is a person, you know, it's hard not to pick Will Anderson uh, as the star of the preseason. Cause he's just continued to wreak havoc like he did all of last year. But, you know, I, I consistently heard good things about Brian Branch and, uh, you know, he's, I know we'll get to safety later, but he's listed as a co-starter, a starter at two positions in the secondary. So, um, yeah, I think he's someone that, um, it, it wouldn't shock me to see him at star. I think Malachi Moore's the, the starter there, but, you know, Brian Branch has the ability and the versatility to play wherever he's asked to and play at a high level, but, you know, corner, um, yeah, it was it was what we expected, really. Um, you know, Josh Joe, of course, like you said, is a returning starter. He's going to be there, and Jalen Armour Davis. Given all the competition that's uh, you know been around him with a lot of talented young players, uh, and even Brian Branch coming over and, and getting some work with the corners, uh, he's held firm. And kudos to him. You know, he's going into his fourth season in the program. You know, he stuck it out, battled through injury, and he's given an opportunity, and and that's always good to see. And um, you know, Marcus Banks. Uh, another player that's had a good preseason. I think the coaches are high on Marcus Banks. There's just older guys ahead of him. Uh, and Kool-Aid McKinstry. Those are probably your your backups at this point. But Kyrie Jackson's list is a, a co-backup at, at both corner spots. So you know, the junior college transfer, I think, is someone that they feel really good about. And you know, there's no backup listed at star. Uh, I think a guy like maybe Jacquez Robinson could do it if, you know, late in games they want to take Malachi Moore and Brian Branch off the field. But um, I, I think the the battle they have there in the slot is a, is a good one. It pushes both young players, and um, those those two, uh, Moore and Branch, are going to be you know members of this secondary for a long time. At the safety positions, we heard Nick Saban in his Monday news conference when asked about the availability of Demarco Ellums with the ankle injury going into Miami Week. Where did that stand and? Saban's response was that Helms expected to start running uh, today, which doesn't lead one to think that there's a great chance he'll be good to go for Miami on Saturday. And I guess some of those concerns alleviated by the once again mentioned Brian Branch, who we talked about him before many times on the podcast. We could and we have uh, talk about him for just about any spot in this secondary. So those two guys bracketed together at free safety, Jordan Battle, the clear-cut starter at strong safety. But some scenarios to consider for this uh, Saturday, Charlie, uh, with Helms in doubt and Branch stepping in perhaps, and then also the trickle-down effect and you know, what that might do with the dime package. Yeah, I mean, that's, to me, uh, really interesting just because – Say Helms doesn't play, and right now it's not looking great. Uh, I don't want to rule him out yet. Nick Saban called him questionable, but say he doesn't play, so that leaves Brian Branch starting opposite Jordan Battle in you know base and, and nickel looks. But then in dime, you know Brian Branch last year was the the money, and so that's a role I could see him continue to fill. You know, moving down in the slot, playing in the box, and that would allow you know a player like Daniel Wright 
to to get back on the field and and be at that safety spot, allowing Brian Branch to move down closer to the line of scrimmage. That that seems like the most likely scenario. Um, even though they do list Christian Story as the the backup safety, or I guess the third safety, uh, maybe he gets an opportunity. You know, he's someone that um, I think has progressed. He's taken time to to learn a new position because you know he's coming from. Uh, the high school ranks where he was a, a quarterback that, that won a state championship. But um, I think he's getting more comfortable back there at safety. Um, I know in one of the scrimmages, I don't remember if it was the first or second, I think it might have been the end of the first, you know, he had a big hit uh, near the goal line to, to force a fumble. So uh, I think they feel pretty good about the depth at safety. It's not quite as deep as the cornerback position. And, of course, you know, Helen's uh, availability plays a, a big factor in that. But um, no, I mean, what happens when they start putting in those, um, sub packages, you know, it'll be pretty interesting to see how it plays out. I think it's pretty predictable, but they could always throw a curveball out there. Yeah. A lot of times at positions like inside linebacker, outside linebacker, <clears throat> even safety, it's kind of interchangeable between say Mike and weak side. Typically, if you can play one, you can play the other. And so, Daniel Wright is listed as the backup at strong safety, but in reality, yeah. going into the game Saturday, he might just be the third safety. It's you know, more, he should be at, yeah. I mean, he's been around long enough. He, yeah. it's, it, 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 it's not going to matter to him. I think it's less, less free and strong and more left and right. Left and so right. I think, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, interchangeable is definitely worth mentioning. I was just pointing out the way they list him. Sure. Maybe give Christian Story the benefit of the doubt because I think he has had a good preseason. No. Agree. Yeah. It's good to see him taking that next step. And, you know, they've got some other safeties are continuing to develop. And we've talked about it in the podcast on the podcast in recent weeks. Already got two safety commitments for the class of 2022 as well. Hey, we're going to step aside for a quick break on the Bama online podcast. When we come back, we'll jump over to the offensive side of the ball, some special teams as well. It is a depth chart review on a Monday edition of the Bama Online Podcast. More with Charlie Potter and myself right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast on a Monday afternoon, August the 30th, 2021. Getting you ready for Alabama and Miami Saturday afternoon at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. We're talking depth chart on this Monday. You know it. You'll love it. An annual tradition under Nick Saban, unlike any other. Charlie, let's get to the offensive side of the ball. We'll start with the big guys up front. Looking across from left to right. Left tackle, Evan Neal, and the absolute slam dunk starter for this depth chart, if there was one. Uh, interesting. His backup there listed as Amari Kite. You like to see veterans who have invested time and effort in the program rewarded with a place on the two deep. And Amari Kite's one of those guys that we're seeing at left tackle. He is, yeah. And, you know, it, it sounds like he um, 
was probably the primary backup uh, this preseason. I know that uh, Evan Neal missed, um, I believe, the first scrimmage, and then that allowed Kendall Randolph to, to kick over and you know, J.C. Latham, Damian George, some guys worked at right tackle the ones. But then when Kendall Randolph suffered that ankle injury, it was Amari Kite that stepped up. So, um, you know, I, I thought we might see both he and Tommy Brockermeyer listed at the backup uh, left tackle. You know, the true freshman, the former five stars. You worked with the two some, um, you know, throughout the offseason, whether it was in the spring or, you know, because of injuries in the in the fall or I guess the summer. I hate calling it fall camp because it's still hot as hell outside. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, like you said, uh, and I know we'll probably get to this a, a little bit later when we talk about the rest of the offensive linemen. It is good to see a, an older player there that's paid their dues. Uh, that maybe wasn't the case for some of these other spots. But uh, Amari Kite's someone that, you know, whenever given the opportunity, he's he's took advantage of it and benefited from it. Javion Cohen heard Nick Saban talk about this at SEC Media Days, and we saw Cohen with the first team offense back in the spring at left guard. So it wasn't exactly a revelation for Saban to talk about Cohen as the likely starter at left guard even before the start of fall camp. But there he is, the talented second-year player to go along with Tommy Brown, another veteran backup. And we get to center, things get interesting. You got one of those uh, forward slashes there, or an or, I guess you could say as well, Chris Owens and Darian Dalcourt. No surprise given the last week or so, I guess, to see those two guys together on that single line for the center position. No, I mean, with given everything Nick Saban said of late, uh, it, it's a real competition there at center, and they're looking for consistency. And really with the whole group, consistency has been tough because of availability. I think everybody but Cohen has missed practice time or missed at least one of the scrimmages. And, um, you know, that, that makes for trouble with continuity up front. That's always important when you have to replace three starters on an offensive line. But uh, yeah, there's there's a real competition at center, and um, you know at this point I wouldn't be surprised if Darian Dalcourt got the start just because it's lingered this long. And usually, if that's the case, the the younger guy's pushing the older guy a little more. But uh, we'll see. That's going to be like my number one thing to look for. Um, you know, going through warmups and stuff when we get to Atlanta on on Saturday. But with left guard, yeah, I mean. Since the spring and, and really since Nick Saban's comments at SEC Media Days, um, you know, Javian Cohen has just kind of been entrenched there at left guard. And that was a spot where you've got really good quality depth because Tommy Brown is someone that back in the spring when Emil Ekior wasn't practicing or doing anything, he was working with the ones uh, as well. So those are really your, your uh, first team guards through the 15 spring practices. And uh, to see them one, two at one of the guard positions you got to feel pretty good about that one, um, even though you know Cohen's played well. I mean, Tommy Brown has too, so I think there's there's good depth there, no doubt. We heard Nick Saban on Monday. He was asked about Darian Dawcourt and kind of his progression, um, and he specifically mentioned power. And when you think about it, the guy you're trying to replace at center, <laughs> he's synonymous with power. And for years you didn't think about the center position as much in terms of just power, even with guys like Ryan Kelly or Barrett Jones playing the position five, six, seven years ago. But now, man, if you can have that guy like a Landon Dickerson that can give you that, uh, and look, 
whether it's Chris Owens or Darian Dalcourt, there's going to be a drop off because Landon is just a massive, powerful human being. But it's good to hear that physically it sounds like Darian Dalcourt is at a place where Nick Saban and that staff are confident in his ability to compete over the football. Right guard Emil Echior returns as an All-American candidate. Something we've seen here on this depth chart that's pretty interesting is newcomers from a depth perspective. And you got two there together behind Emil Echior at right guard. Jaden Roberts, the massive offensive guard from Houston, Texas. Terrence Ferguson, an early enrollee that we saw back in the spring. Uh, also in that mix from the state of Georgia. So when we talk about this offensive line class for 2021, Charlie, we see um, three guys here. We're going to talk about the third one coming up here in a minute, right tackle. Three of the five here showing up on the depth chart. Yeah, I mean, um, there are three of the 12 that are on the, the overall depth chart. And, you know, that's to be expected whenever Alabama signs you know, what was the, the highest rated class of all time when it comes to recruiting rankings. So to see them sprinkled throughout is, is no surprise, really. Um, there aren't very many on the starting line, but I think that also is, you know, a big indicator of what Alabama returns from a depth perspective. But you know, this is the, the position that I was talking about a little earlier. When we we're talking about Amari Kite. Uh, I was surprised to see both true freshmen, you know, maybe one, um, mm-hmm. maybe a Jaden Roberts. He's a, a big hoss, just like Damian George coming from the state of Texas. But I, I was really surprised not to see Pierce Quick anywhere uh, on the two deep. Um, he is a guy that, you know, is, is versatile. We've seen him uh, get some reps at right tackle uh, this preseason. You know, we've seen him work at the guard spots uh, throughout uh, fall camp. Uh, he's someone that he missed a lot of time last year due to a back injury. He didn't do much in the spring, if, if anything. And then, you know, he's he's made uh, strides and gotten back on the field, added some good weight. I, I was really surprised not to see Pierce Quick um, listed anywhere. Uh, but, you know, I, I think for the future of the position, to see both Jaden Roberts and Terrence Ferguson, the, the two uh, true guards that Alabama signed uh, in their 2021 class, it, it's good for, you know, a couple of years down the road next year, whenever they're going to have to replace some of these guys, if a guy like Emilek York turns pro. So, um, you know, the, the fact that they're playing well enough to, to make the two deep, uh, that's good for them and, and good for the future of the offensive line. Right tackle. It was good to hear from Nick Saban on Monday that the Alabama offensive line, which has struggled to do this really going back to the spring, uh, is intact in terms of the first group. And that means Kendall Randolph, there at right tackle behind him, you got J.C. Latham and Damian George. Again, these last couple of three offensive line classes show up significantly, but the guy at the top of the heap right now at right tackle is the veteran, Kendall Randolph. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Kendall Randolph's been back for a little bit now, a few days. You know, we saw him start to creep up into the photos that UA sent out from practice. And, um, yeah, it's – we talked about availability. This is a, a big week, uh, maybe a week plus stretch for the offensive line because everybody is able to practice and they're able to you know, gel and get that chemistry, which is important for a new look offensive line. And you know, Kendall Randolph, um, you know, he missed a little bit of time and you know went right back to working with the one. So I think that says you know, what this coaching staff thinks about him and uh, his ability, the trust they have in him. Uh, but also, you know, J.C. Latham has been someone that is pretty 
predominantly been the the first team tackle in place of uh, Kendall Randolph, and I think he you know, did some good things. Uh, I think it was Emil Ekior. We talked to him last week, and he said the ceiling for that guy is unbelievable. So when you have a Kendall Randolph who's been around the program for five years now, has played some first-team snaps as that sixth offensive lineman, and then you add J.C. Latham, who was the number one offensive tackle in, in last year's recruiting cycle, and then just a behemoth in Damian George. Um, and, you know, he's not listed here, but you add in a Pierce Quick. And that's the you know the one spot that was really the the big question mark for most of the offseason. I think Alabama feels pretty good about the depth there. So um, I, I think it's telling. You don't have a, a slash or an or between Randolph and Latham. The only one you have is at the center position. So that one, if, if Randolph's available and, and able to go through practice, it seems you know, pretty set. And with all indications pointing toward Kendall Randolph being the guy at right tackle to open the season, you don't have that security blanket perhaps that you've had the last couple of years of being able to throw that number 85 on him and put him into that tight end mix. And speaking of which, we see Cameron Latou atop the tight end depth chart uh, as that first guy up. And then behind him, Major Tennyson, bracketed with Jalil Billingsley, the much-talked-about Jalil Billingsley during this preseason. Kind of wondered if we were going to even see Jalil, but there he is in the top three at tight end. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I was curious. Tight end was one of the things that I I looked for initially right whenever we got the the depth chart. I just gave a quick scan before – you know, put it in on the site and, you know, saw his name. I was like, okay. But, um, you know, he's a guy that's – in these scrimmages, he's been a uh, back and available for. He's worked with the third team. You know, he's gotten some second team reps, but you know, he's been in that doghouse, uh, so to speak. And you know, I, I was I, I came into this kind of expecting Major Tennyson to be on the first line, and then Watu and, and Billingsley to be on the second or third line. If I'm being honest, just because of what Nick Saban said about both players, and um, you know, it's or good to see. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but. To see Latou at the top, uh, I think they they like what he brings to the table. I think he just needs to do it on a more consistent basis and, and play loose and, and not so anxious and uptight. And if he can do that, I think he can have a big year. And we know what Jaleel Billingsley brings to the table um, just from an athletic and production standpoint. And you know if, when he climbs back out of uh, the hole he's been in and you know makes his way back up to pecking order he'll he'll be the number one tight end and uh, I think he's doing that and then you know Major Tennyson he's a guy that a couple of years ago was in the starting lineup uh, so you know he has past experience I think you know they feel good there but you're right I mean talking about Kendall Randolph if if he's in the starting lineup at right tackle you don't have that security blanket, just that extra big body to, to put in there in short yard situations. So, you know, heck, if, if you start Darian Dalcourt at center, maybe Chris yeah. Owens goes back to wearing um, that extra tight end jersey. So yeah. well, he can't do that now because Jai Hall has changed to number 84. So Yeah, you know, Jai changed today, didn't he? Yeah, there's yeah. a couple of number changes with a Jai Hall change. Well, Chris, Chris Owens 84. can wear 85, right? It should be open if Randolph's not wearing it. Yeah, there you go. Just, <laughs> people will, will just think that that's Kendall the extent of my math skills, by the way. Yeah. That's it right there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, Jai Hall's wearing 84, changing from 17. And we've expected that for a while now because he and Paul Tyson can't wear the same number if they're on the field at the same time. Uh, and then Jalen Milrow, the, the true freshman quarterback, changed from uh, 15 to two further 
extending those comparisons to Jalen Hurts. So those are the only two. But yeah, I mean, that's that's something that can happen. I don't know how much Chris Owens has worked there uh, leading up for the season, but that is something that, given the way it's looking to play out from the depth chart, you know, you're taking away a, a little bit of a, a piece you've had the last couple of years with Kendall Randolph playing tackle. I guess if you're Chris Owens today, you take comfort in at least your name was first, maybe <laughs> in that bracketing. Who knows what that means? And, and look, the depth chart we got, these guys understand. It's much more clear, I'm sure, in the building off uh, Bryant Drive, the pecking order right now. When they go out to practice, when they went out to practice Monday afternoon, uh, they very much understood where they sat in all these things quarterback talking about defined pecking orders uh bryce young clear-cut number one paul tyson looks to be clearly the number two jalen milrow the number three kind of amazing charlie that alabama is implementing a new starter at quarterback position and it was one of the least intriguing angles of depth chart monday i i don't recall maybe a monday depth chart revealed that the quarterback position was going to list a new starter and there being less buzz about this than there was this time around. Well, I mean, it, it was one of the worst kept secrets, really, just because <laughs> you know, Bryce Young's dominated the first team reps all off season long. Heck, we've, we've heard from him already from a uh, interview standpoint, and we've heard from him twice because he came up today, too. He uh, kind of pinch hit for, for John Mechie, who didn't come up. And, you know, that, that says a lot when your starting quarterback can be your backup uh, from an interview standpoint. But, yeah, I mean, this is just what we expected. I mean, going into it, heck, I had a story ready that I posted on the site uh, just officially naming him the starter because you're right. It wasn't a storyline that I was looking for. For me, I was more interested in if maybe the backup spot would have a slash just because they've done that in the past. Um, there's slashes all over this. There's how many did I count? There's 25 slashes in, in total. Um, but the, the pecking order that we saw, Bryce Young, Paul Tyson, Jalen Milrow, that's what it's been, um, all off season long. So, um, to see that, you know, further solidifies what we've heard, uh, everything that's been said. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is pretty crazy that we didn't make a big deal about it, given of how, these things have played out in the past, but you know, it was basically just a formality as a foregone conclusion that Bryce was going to be the starter. I mean, for me, I was, I was more interested to see what happened behind him. Yeah. My girlfriend in the eighth grade kept secrets better than this uh, <laughs> quarterback situation, you know? And uh, so let's get into running back. Brian Robinson listed as the starter there. Not really a surprise. And if we're being honest, I don't think it's a huge surprise, especially given the talk about Trey Sanders in the preseason and how he seemed to be coming back quite nicely from his latest injury, that you had three backs separated by just one of those aforementioned slashes. Yeah, I mean, the, the running back uh, group is is one that you know Nick Saban's repeatedly praised. You know, I think his, his most recent comment, he ended it by talking about how excited he is to watch this group. And, um, you know, Brian Robinson's back. He's the experienced player. He's going to be the first guy out there on the field. But, you know, I think we'll see plenty of Jace McClellan and Trey Sanders and maybe even Roy Dell Williams. Maybe they do a four back approach. I think that I would expect three uh, more so. Uh, but, you know, I'm not ruling anything out because I think they feel really good about all four of those guys and even Kamar Wheaton to an extent. So um, 
you know, Jace McClellan's listed uh, first. You know, he's a guy that's trained uh, this offseason to to be a number one back. And I think, you know, he's he's taken that next step between his freshman and sophomore years. Uh, it's good to see Trey Sanders back on the depth chart. And as a guy that's, you know, pretty much fully recovered from that car accident last year. And uh, if he's healthy, you know, we saw what you know, he was starting to to turn on uh, last year as that number three back, maybe stepping into more of a number two role. Um, yeah, I, I think that those three, Robinson, McClellan, and Sanders, give Alabama three really good backs. And, and McClellan and Sanders both, they can be um, and make up for some of the, the things you lost with Najee Harris. They can be that receiver out of the backfield. They can make plays in the passing game. And, um, you know, Roy Dell Williams can too. So uh, and Nick Saban was, was very complimentary of, of Jace McClellan today. And um, you really praise him for the job he does without the ball in his hands because that's important for an Alabama running back. It, it was, you know, we heard about it all the time whenever Burton Burns was the uh, position coach, but it, it rings true today. You know, they have to be able to pass pro. They have to be able to, to run rounds and catch the ball in the backfield, do all the other things besides just taking a handoff and, you know, trying to get hard yardage. So I think Jace McClellan's someone that could be in for a breakout season, but really all of these running backs seem like they're poised for uh, larger roles and, and they're going to be splitting some carries. Yeah, typically if someone asks me in any given year, why isn't this running back on the depth chart? The first thing I point to is in all likelihood it has to do with pass protection. And yeah, Saban's comments on Monday, and I'm going to touch on this and what Saban said and what we think it means that's how it struck me in terms of off the ball, not just ability, but a lot of times it's more about a willingness to put your face in the fan and pick up a Henry Toa or a Christian <laughs> Harris on the blitz. And, you know, you talked about it, the potential for four of these guys to be legitimately in the plan on a weekly basis. And if that's the case, it'll have a lot to do with McClellan, Sanders, Williams being able to contribute in the passing game, not just as receivers, but as guys who can pick up a blitz uh, with a sense of urgency on top of all that. Wide receiver, there he is. Jamison Williams listed as the starter at the Z. John Mechie expectedly shows up at the X. And then at the H position, that's where things got pretty interesting. We had heard good things about JoJo Earl, but to see him there, bracketed with Slade Bolden as a starter that really tells you the kind of preseason that the Texan has had I guess yeah I mean you know, I've, I've mentioned it a couple times now that there were 12 true freshmen you know, listed throughout the depth chart but he's the only one from a scholarship standpoint that was listed as a starter or I guess in this case a co-starter and uh, Jojo Earl is someone that we have routinely heard about not just from people we've talked to but when we're doing these zoom calls with Nick Saban and the players, you know, you hear about Mechie and Bolden and, and now Jamison Williams, but Jojo Earl's name has been thrown in there pretty consistently. And so, um, you know, it's, it matches up with this. It sounds like he's made a move and done some really good things since he got on campus this summer. And that's worth mentioning. I mean, the other three uh, freshman receivers are listed as co-backups. Uh, really all of the available receivers are, are mentioned here on the depth chart, but um, you know, Jojo Earl came in in the summer. The other three were here in the spring, so he's had less time to work. Same goes for Jamison Williams, but those two guys have come in and, um, you know, really impressed. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Jojo Earl's out there to, to start the game, 
I think he'll definitely be the first punt returner back, which I know we're going to get a special teams here in a minute, but um, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to be pushing Slade Bolden and that's good because um, you know, there, there's going to be a drop off at the position because of Jalen Waddle leaving and why not bring in another smaller explosive receiver from uh, the state of Texas that looks like he's primed for a, an instant impact role as a true freshman. Yeah, and from a depth perspective, you knew these last two recruiting classes were going to be huge. And just look at it behind Williams, who you could, you can, he was a part of, I guess you could say, the the 2021 recruiting class as a transfer from Ohio State. Trayshawn Holden from two classes ago, Shakori Brooks, the true freshman there, is the bracketed backups at the Z. Ajay Hall, Javon Baker. 2020, 2021, we're talking with those two guys as the backups to John Mechie, Tyu Jones-Bell, Christian Leary as the bracketed backups in the slot. So just, again, more evidence of how heavily Alabama is going to lean on these newcomers from the last two years to support the starters. And perhaps, you know, you talk about rotational roles right now. Yeah, okay, Jamison Williams, John Mechie, Either Slade Bolden or JoJo Earl uh, are your third guys there in that 11 personnel sets. But, you know, still next outside guy on the field, Holden, Brooks, Hall, uh, Baker. You know, how that plays out will be a fascinating angle of Saturday's game, too. It will be, yeah. And uh, I think Holden has a good rapport with Bryce Young. Uh, I, I think they might be roommates. I don't don't quote me on that, but they you could tell in the A day game. I mean, Holden had more targets, catches, and receiving yards than any other receiver in that game. So uh, you know they have uh, chemistry there. I think the same could be said for Baker and, and Jones Bell because you know those three came in the same class with Bryce Young. But um, you know, Jacory Brooks has has done some nice things this preseason. Didn't hear much about him or Christian Leary in the spring, um, but you know they've they've come on here of late. Ajay Hall maybe a, a different trajectory because he had such a, a climactic into the spring. Uh, but, you know, he's listed ahead of Javon Baker, which I think might be telling. It might not be, you know, it's just, you would think that the older guy would be listed ahead there, given that the others are, but no, I mean the, the next receiver off the bench, not talking about the, the slot, the guy on the outside, that that's going to be interesting. I, I think, my money would be on Holden, but at this point, you know, with what these young guys have done and, and then Javon Baker being a guy we expected to see last year that never really came on, uh, yeah, that, that one's going to be one that I'll be watching for for sure come Saturday. Let's get into some special teams. Will Reichert entrenched as the starting place kicker after that perfect campaign in 2020. Jack Martin, the Troy transfer, listed as the backup there. As the place kicker, which means he could be very much in play on kickoffs. We'll see. Mm. Uh, and also behind James Burnup. You said on our recent podcast you expected James Burnup to have standalone status as the punter. That is, in fact, the case with Jack Martin and Ty P. Ryan bracketed as his backups. Paul Tyson going to hold on placements. Bryce Young, the backup there. And uh, we get a walk-on. Neyland Hibbett. Maybe the best name on the – well, other than Kool-Aid McKinstry right now. But <laughs> Neyland Hibbett is charged with the big task of succeeding uh, Thomas Fletcher there as the snapper of choice. And you talked about punt return earlier. 
Jojo Earl first, then Slade Bolden bracketed together on punt returns. Kool-Aid McKinstry also in that mix. And then you get into kickoff returns, and typically you have to take this as Jamison Williams being the primary return guy with Jace McClellan being the off guy, as they refer to it. And then similarly, Trey Sanders and Slade Bolden together next up on kickoff returns. Any uh, Anything strike you about those list of specialists that were revealed on Monday, Charlie? Not too much. Um, you know, we expected Will Riker to be the starting kicker. We knew Jack Martin's also handled some full goals and, and kickoffs this preseason. We talked about Paul Tyson being the, the primary holder and, and Bryce Young backing him up there. I thought maybe we'd see you know, Slay Bolden maybe as a co-backup, uh, but that's not the case. You know, we talked about Burnup. Um, you know, he's the guy that's probably been the most consistent of the punters coming in, but you know, Jack Martin and Tapir on getting some love uh, listed there. I don't know a ton about Neyland Hibbett, I'm going to be honest with you. I know he's a true freshman. He's the only true freshman on this list that's listed as a sole starter. Uh, you know, Judge O'Earl's listed at a couple of spots, but he's, you know, sharing that line with somebody else. But, you know, Hibbett's a, a true freshman from Florence. He's 6'2", 235, and you're right. I mean, he has a, a big task in replacing you know, Thomas Fletcher, who I don't believe um, had an imperfect snap his entire career at Alabama. So big shoes to fill there. But the return um, spots are always interesting for people. And, you know, we, we talked about Jojo Earl uh, being a guy there. And, um, you know, he's he's someone that was listed on 24-7 sports, you know, true freshman All-America team as a punt returner. And I know a lot of uh, our subscribers and people that post on the message board were kind of irate that he was the only – player listed there but when you go and look at the depth chart he's the only true mm-hmm. freshman on scholarship that that's really listed as starting position so again that says a lot about the experienced players returning and then he'll kick off return um you know nick saban mentioned jamison williams you know when i asked about him earlier this preseason and with that speed you know that's that's kind of not a surprise there uh you know no kamar wheaton he was someone that was mentioned uh, but, you know, I, I think that Jace McClellan is someone he and Trey Sanders both kind of fit that mold of, of what they want there. So no real surprises. Um, you know, I think special teams, you know, they're going to have some some young guys and some walk ons that are uh, making impacts at the specialist positions. But, you know, that'll be you know something to, to watch in Saturday's game because Miami has some really sound special teams, especially from a punting mm-hmm. aspect. And that'll be, you know, James Burnup will be, you know, in a battle there just in terms of field position. Got to have a pair of Aussie punters in this game. The damn Aussies, man. They have <laughs> just taken over the American collegiate football punting industry. And that will be on full display Saturday afternoon in Atlanta. Yeah, we did hear Nick Saban, too, with some, again, some very nice comments about JoJo Earl, which – to me, I, I expected him to say the things he said about the physical attributes, but when he started talking about route running and consistency with his hands, that oftentimes speaks to a commitment to perfecting the craft. In other words, work ethic. This guy must be a guy that works at it pretty diligently um, and also a maturity level. And for him to be in the spots he's in, both offensively and in the return game, to have the trust he has apparently at this point from Nick Saban and Drew Svoboda and Holman Wiggins, uh, it must be must be a lot more to this guy than just you know a forty time and, and short space quickness and and things like that. Charlie, you got anything else for us 
from this uh, depth chart Monday recap on the Bama Online podcast. No, I'll just add what you were just talking about because we heard from Bryce Young and, and he mentioned professionalism when talking about Jojo Earl. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily a slide on the other guys, but, you know, to, for a young quarterback to say that about an even younger receiver, I think says a lot. So yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, um, it, it might come as a surprise to see him as a co-starter at a couple spots, but it sounds like to the people inside that building, it's not much of one. I will say we did get some some updates uh, regarding Saturday's game, just in terms of a protocol standpoint. Um, you know, the 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 game in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, they're going to open up the roof, so that means that fans will not be required to wear masks in any open area or any open air areas uh, of the venue. But um, you know, when it comes to places like club spaces the press box of course you know the stores or any enclosed rooms they're they're suggesting people wear masks but you know you don't have to show any kind of proof of vaccine or a negative test or anything like that uh we had to uh for uh credentials and getting into the press box and things like that but fans going to the game they don't have to worry about anything like that but just, that's just a heads up for anybody making the trek over to atlanta for saturday's game and hopefully it doesn't rain with the roof yeah. open but we'll see We'll see how it goes. Sometimes those August afternoons in the state of Georgia and the South in general, they can can change on you in a hurry. So we hope for dry conditions and everyone having a great time over in Atlanta this weekend. As always, Charlie, appreciate it. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon throughout the week. Charlie's going to keep you up to date on every bit morsel of news related to Alabama, Miami. We're going to have analysis of the game throughout the week. And you're going to want to hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice around the globe for Alabama Crimson Tide fans. Charlie, again, thanks, my man. No problem, man. It's always good to catch up. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you for joining us right here on the Bama Online Podcast. Subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Leave us a rating and a review while you're there. We would greatly appreciate it if you are if able to do that as well. Until next time, so long, everybody. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.